0: Welcome to the Blockade Runner Podcast. My name is John, and with me today is Ryan. Good morning. And uh, we are super happy to be back, not only to doing the Blockade Runner Podcast, but to our Power of the 90s series. We are at 1994, and the Power of the 90s series is when Ryan and I uh, break down all of the books, the comics, the games, the movies. Uh, well, not there's no movies, but uh, <laughs> all <laughs> the comics, books, games, <laughs> Um, and other media and stuff from the 90s and uh, our idea it was really Ryan's idea which is an awesome one is to kind of look at each year individually and kind of just talk about um, everything Star Wars happening in that year and the 90s were such a great time for Star Wars. Um, and it's a cool thing to kind of go back and say, I kind of look at like what was what was like the Star Wars culture like in this year of the 90s and like kind of what was going on. And you can sort of see and I know we're starting to see this in 1994, which we'll talk about today, but you can kind of see the development of how things were ramping up and how Star Wars was expanding and uh, and gearing up for the prequels and all that stuff. So it's really cool. Um 1994 is the biggest year yet of the 90s, which, uh-huh. you know, we would expect. But as far as the 90s go with Star Wars, 94 is the biggest year. Um, there's the most going on in terms of publishing and new stuff coming out. And so our notes for 94 are intense. There's a lot here. Uh, so we got to dig in, see if we can get through all this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to start with our Star Wars novels, as we usually do. And there were five novels released in 1994. Um which is, you know, quite a few, I mean, uh, even by today's standards, I don't know that we're getting five like full on novels, uh, per year. Um, or if we did that, that's probably like the most we're getting at this point. So, um, I think it's gonna only, there's only gonna be more <laughs> going on past you know, 94 <laughs> as far as novels go. But, um, in comparison to, you know, the previous years of the nineties, this is a lot. Um, so, first, the first three, um, or the first three we're going to talk about are the Jedi Academy trilogy from Kevin J. Anderson. Uh, Ryan, have you read the Jedi Academy trilogy back in the day or anything like that?
1: No, I haven't actually. And so, all three books in the trilogy came out in '94.
0: Yep, all three came out in ninety-four. Um, the first one came out in February, I believe we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next one, Dark Apprentice. The first one is Jedi Search. Um, the next one is Dark Apprentice, and that one came out, I think, in like summertime. And then yeah, the last one, Champions of the Force, came out um in the fall. So Wow. Yeah. Um, so I can only imagine that would have been pretty exciting, a pretty cool thing. Um back in 94 to have these three star wars novels featuring luke skywalker han solo um, princess leia um, and to to get this kind of complete trilogy of stories all in one year it was probably uh, quite the event i'm thinking
1: yeah because these are the books where luke is training the next generation of jedi correct
0: yeah sort of um like he's got he's got a school of some kind um a jedi academy uh i think it focuses on his relationship with um one student mostly um but uh maybe in jedi search you know it features more Mm. more jedi uh i like i said i haven't actually read these ones I, i may have read one of them um quite a while ago but like you know in the 90s <laughs> mm-hmm. so i don't remember too well yeah. um but I, I was looking through the the sort of summaries of these and um yeah it sounds pretty cool i mean the first one uh the big thing that i took away from it is that um both kessel uh and the maw are featured um and obviously those are on our minds right now because of solo a star wars mm-hmm. story so i think that would be fun to go back and and uh, read these and kind of see how those things were presented uh, in 94 by Kevin J. Anderson in comparison mm-hmm. to like how they're presented uh, in Solo. Um, but um, yeah, so and then in in the second book, uh, that's when, uh, the second book is Dark Apprentice and this is when um, an even greater danger arises at Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy when a brilliant student delves dangerously into the dark side of the force and unleashes the spirit of an ancient master of the evil order that warped Darth Vader himself. So that that sounds pretty good. Yeah? <laughs> it wasn't Ben Solo? <laughs> no, it wasn't Ben Solo. Okay. Um yeah, I mean that's that's I, and and that's one of the things like talking about these books in the context of like the power of the 90s and looking at the 90s and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's like really cool. Like I I I if, I'm looking forward to going back and reading some of this stuff from this era before the prequels were they, they're actually going to get I don't know if they're announced yet. I don't think they are announced yet in 94 mm-hmm. officially. Um they start. They start to be worked on in '94, which we'll talk about later. I don't know mm-hmm. if they're announced or not, but anyway, this is a very much a pre-prequel era um, in terms of like Star Wars fandom and what people mm-hmm. are aware of, and and what we're kind of like how we're viewing the Star Wars saga. You know, mm-hmm. um, so. Yeah, I think now that we know, like, we have the canonized official, like, it's up on the big screen. Like, this is what happens with Luke and Leia and Han and uh, Chewie and, you know, the next threat to the galaxy. Now that all that stuff is really established, Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be super cool to go back and look at kind of some of these alternate versions of it that some of these authors kind of put forth. So, yeah, Um, but. I don't. I mean, I th- that sounds like a pretty good way to go, doesn't it? For your for your your trilogy of books about Luke Skywalker in the 90s. Like there's this ancient Sith evil and it's like maybe even bigger than Palpatine was. And, you know, um, it's got like it sounds like it has like a kind of a cultish vibe. I know that actually there is like kind of a culty type thing in these three books that that is uh, threatening our hero. So, I mean, all that stuff I think sounds sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and then in the last one, the champions of the force. Um this is the one that uh uh I looked at kind of the the summary of it and it was like, you know, there's a lot going on here that seems pretty actually similar to the Star Wars sequels that we have. Um there's a new Jedi School in this book, I've, well in this trilogy, obviously. Um Han and Leia's kids are featured already in '94 in uh, in this trilogy of books. Um so uh you know, and then being force sensitive and all that. I mean, that's something we see in the sequels um there's a fallen printed apprentice who needs to be redeemed a world destroying weapon the sun crusher i don't know if you remember the sun crusher uh, oh man <laughs> yeah uh it can destroy entire solar systems if that sounds familiar um and uh yeah i just think like there's so much stuff in there that that we're seeing in our sequel trilogy but just kind of presented it in a, in a different way obviously so yeah um, and it doesn't sound as good, but, um, like I said, it would be <laughs> cool. I think it'd be cool to go back and, and look at from, yeah. from yeah. Our, our lens of having the sequel trilogy. So anyways, that, that was no doubt a big event in 94. Unfortunately, neither of us were reading those books at the time. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but yeah, I think, um, I think they're, they're remembered finally and, uh, would be, uh, would be good to go back and, and look at at some point.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, like half a decade later there'd be the um jedi academy pc game that would come out i wonder how much of that is based on these books as well
0: yeah i don't know because that's like kyle katarn and stuff right yeah Uh, it's
1: like more of a dark forces jedi knight sequel but i wonder if they pulled some stuff because they took the name so
0: right on yeah totally all right um okay well let's talk about uh the next one and this is one that you are reading now or did you finish reading it
1: (laughs) yeah i had the best intentions of finishing it before we recorded and i only got about 100 pages in okay Uh, but yeah the courtship of princess leia um this was another novel released in 1994 it's actually a standalone novel it's not um part of any trilogy or duology or anything else. Uh, But John, you said you read this back in the day?
0: I think I did, yeah. I think I did. I know I read the next book on our list uh, back in the day. I think I read this one too, although I'm looking at like your bullet points here and thinking like, oh, wait, what is this book? <laughs> Did I actually yeah. read it? So maybe I didn't, but I, I thought so. Uh, our, our The Rockford Public Library, Ryan, had a pretty solid selection of Star Wars books and mm-hmm. I think I read most of them at the time. So this is one where I, whenever I heard the title, I was like, yeah, yeah, I remember reading that book, but I'm not so sure now that I'm looking at this stuff about 64 planets and prince ice and all this stuff i don't know Yeah,
1: well um it's kind of insane um and man like this is one of those things that uh i've i've really <laughs> i'm able to enjoy it a lot more now than i think i would have enjoyed it even like five years ago um but especially, like, this really ties into um, what we were talking about, I think, two episodes ago about canon and about legends and kind of coming to terms with uh, perhaps unreliable narrators um, retelling the events in Star Wars that happened so long ago and so far away. Like, you know, it's hard to get a clear picture on these things, but, uh, yeah, this book is something else. Um, so kind of the, um, the plot is that, um, you know, Leia is, and this is like post return of the Jedi, um, post, uh, Thrawn trilogy actually um and yeah i believe it's post post throne trilogy because i think it's five years after return of the jedi and the timothy zahn books they happen like right after return of the jedi i think i don't know yeah we're, um, we're not
0: uh we're <laughs> not experts on either trilogy or i mean on the uh the the, the, the throne trilogy or or these ones but yeah
1: yeah um So, it's about five years after Return of the Jedi, and um, a race of people called Hapes, Happies, Happies, I don't know, Um, they have, they, like, govern um, a, like, group of planets, there's, like, 63 or 64 of them, and they come to Leia, who's working as, you know, a... I'm not sure what her official role is. Like, she's still, like, a princess, um, considered a princess, but she's definitely, like, a diplomatic figure um, in the New Republic. And uh, so these, these people come to her and offer her assistance in defeating like the remnants of the empire and there's like this new threat of like warlords um popping up in different areas um and so they offer they have like you know 64 planets at their disposal and like they you know they have all these resources and wealth and they offer to you know lend her their assistance but only if she marries the queen's son, who is like the prince of um, these lands. So basically at this point, it becomes the uh, the spin doctor's song, uh, Two Princes. And <laughs> uh, Leia is forced to choose between this really handsome, wealthy prince or Han Solo, which it's kind of weird because, um, this is definitely taking place, like, you know, X amount of years after return of the Jedi. And, you know, I, I kind of felt like at the end of return of the Jedi that she had sort of made that choice.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: Um, like there wasn't really anything like up for debate at that point. Um, and I think that's kind of how Han feels as well, but, um, it's, so it's really weird because, like, Leia is, like, smitten with this Prince is older, and so, like, and all his wealth, and he's, like, super handsome, and all this, and so, like, Han goes off and wins her a planet in a Sabacc game and like he like is so stoked on this and like brings it to her and she's like oh that's so sweet but eh, that's not going to work because this planet is in this warlord's territory so it's kind of worthless to me <laughs> and um so that's uh really interesting and um also there is something that the hapes bring to the New Republic, and it is the Gun of Command, which is a gun that, when you shoot someone with it, it uh, makes them, like, susceptible to suggestion, um, and it kind of makes them, like, do whatever you want them to do. Um, So... (laughs) uh, Han uses the gun of command to... No, his, I
0: was hoping this is not where it was going.
1: Yeah, to no. essentially <laughs> kidnap Leia. <laughs> and to get her away from this prince. And uh, there's also... And, you know, I don't know how this... Like like I said, I only read like the first hundred pages. So I don't know how this all shakes out. And maybe it does in a way that is really satisfying...
0: And give um, Leia actual agency as well? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> she, like this is very different than the general Leia that we've kind of become accustomed to uh-huh. because they, she's kind of portrayed just as this, like, flippant young girl who's, like, trying to choose between these two dudes and is like, I'll make up my own mind. And, like going back and forth and like flirting with both of them and kissing both of them. And it's like, it's not my favorite lay of portrayal. But there's also some revelations about Han's lineage um, that he's actually descended from uh, a great, uh, a great King Mm. of Corellia. Um, which is a little weird, um, and really, really at odds with, uh, you know, what we just witnessed in Solo. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, like, it actually, it reads and flows really well. Um, like, I actually enjoy the, uh, experience of reading it, but there's just, uh, so much stuff that I'm like, whoa, really? Like <laughs> it's, but I mean, it's, you know, it's 1994. Like we, like you were just saying, we don't even have like the prequels yet. Mm-hmm. Um. So this was like really uncharted territory. And I, I know people like in this era were probably like not even sure that, you know, how long star Wars would last if it was just like a passing fad again. And they just kind of swung for the fences, and um, I don't think there was as much scrutiny put into. Um,
0: oh yeah, definitely not. The, the <laughs> the at the time,
1: and, there wasn't yeah. a story group or no anything, and even just like even outside of continuity, just like characterization, mm-hmm. because like yeah, I can't I can't really see. Han Solo kidnapping Leia like that's in any in any way
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, I feel like I feel like this era was more like if you were an author and you wanted to write Star Wars and you had a pitch you know that you could bring to like Lucasfilm publishing and like here's my idea it's like okay that's cool go for it you know and so Mm -hmm. um which is I mean that's kind of yeah in, in a way, I like that because you just mm-hmm. probably get like a variety of Star Wars stories, and if you're not really think of them as necessarily being all you know canon or whatever, it's just like, hey, here's a mm-hmm. a toy box full of characters that authors can play with. I mean, I know that they were they you know there, there was more connection than that. I mean, they did try to keep it more you know um, consistent than just like do whatever you want. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think rather than having it sort of all as one kind of thing there was a little more variety just because it was like people could do kind of their version of things uh, to a certain extent. So, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know. That sounds pretty, pretty bananas. Um, It's Uh funny to me too, because like, I'm hearing you talk about like, Oh, we found out that Han's actually a Prince, you know? And I'm like, it's, it's so funny because like the con not the context, but like the, the, uh, the medium and then also the time period in which this stuff is released, I think, factor so heavily into whether or not I think it's fun or I think it's like bad. <laughs> um, because like, yeah. if you were like, oh, this book came out in like 1979 or it came out in 1979 and it was a comic book or something, I'd be like, oh, that's such a zany fun sort of thing, you know, uh-huh. but then, or if it came out in the mid eighties, I'm like, well, you know, it was the wild west. It was the eighties. There was no like star Wars publishing <laughs> thing really happening. It's like, whatever. But then I, I feel like now, even in the nineties, like as we move closer and closer to, you know, contemporary Star Wars, you know, fandom or or maybe just like closer and closer to when I got into like Star Wars, like big time. Um, I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want Han to be like a prince from some of that. Like I want it to get as, as it gets closer and closer to now or closer and closer to like the mid to late 90s, which is when I became a big Star Wars fan. That's when I like want all the sort of crazy stuff that doesn't really fit to kind of get to start, you know, <laughs> I reduced. It, yeah. yeah. But but, you know, I guess that's just like my, kind of my personal perspective um, and, and with it being legends now, I guess it doesn't really matter because you can always just go back and read this stuff and be like, well, yeah, this is this is like a, a what if um, or a, what do you call it in comics like a uh, an infinities or like a uh, I don't know, you know, alternate universe type thing mm-hmm. like, where you where you start on page one with the understanding like this is just a different possibility of how things could have been, but it's not how they are you know in yeah. the actual canon um,
1: yeah and i like i still just like i really like the idea that we talked about a few episodes ago and like what um Delilah Stossom was talking about how there's um these are these are history texts and they may have been written by unreliable narrators sure like <laughs> maybe this is this is how prince isildor uh felt when he, like, got there and, like, Leia turned him down immediately, which is what I think would happen, because she was already with Han, Um, and so he's, like, bitter about this, and he wrote this this text to say, you know, how gentlemanly he was, and how they, how he made out with Leia, and then Han kidnapped her, and, like... (laughs) maybe maybe that's where it that's the place it comes from (laughs) yeah yeah it's just a fun way to think about this stuff
2: sure
0: Sure,
1: um i'm totally at peace with it and um it does actually what's really great about this book though is like there's so many ideas that um kind of bloom in this book and i actually um did a little bit of research and yeah like a lot of things are kind of mentioned for the first time here that would actually become canon um there's talk about and this is 1994 there's talk about how um you know the new republic was uh, like the old republic i guess was like overthrown um by what would become the empire and they like hunted down jedi um, which, you know, obviously is what we got in um, episode three. And there's also a uh, mention of Dathomir. Um, Dath- yeah. That, that Dathomir. That's yep. Dathomir. Is, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like when I actually say some of this stuff out loud, I'm like, <laughs> wait, is that even a word? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there's mention like that planet plays a huge role in it. And um there are these witches of Dathomir in the book. Um these and that I think I mean I'm sure is what the like the Night Sisters in the Clone Wars oh, yeah. and the I mean that whole mall arc and savage operas and all mm. of that, like um I guess that's what that's all based on. So, um, yeah, Yeah, it would
0: be interesting to see kind of how that happened. You know what I mean? Like who brought that concept into the Clone Wars, you know, Mm -hmm. because I I don't think it would have been George, but maybe, you know, the author. Who's the author of the courtship of Princess Leia?
1: Um, Like Dave Wolferton?
0: Mm. Oh, it's a man who wrote the Princess Leia book? Oh. Um, Okay. Great. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, but uh, I was gonna say, like, maybe you know, George kind of brought that Dathomir thing to that author, but I kind of doubt it though, because I don't think he was too involved with any of this stuff. So, um, but I'd be surprised if George, when they were putting together the Clone Wars um, and introducing the witches of Dathomir and all that stuff, was like, "Well, let's go back to the courtship of Princess Leia and pull out the witches of," you know, so. We'll have to see, like, as we follow the 90s here over the Mm -hmm. next, however long it takes us to get through the 90s to see um, if some of these concepts pop up again and uh, where George might have pulled that stuff or Dave Filoni or whoever did.
1: Yeah, Um, just a couple more things on this book before we move on. Um, I like the book. Ends with obviously Leia choosing Han. Yeah. um and I believe it ends with their marriage so that's um something that's interesting and I feel like this is a story that will uh, eventually be retold in the like quote unquote new canon and I wonder how it's going to like play out I could see it being more of like the courtship of Princess Leia being like you know her and han's relationship post return of the jedi which um which i would actually like to get more info about like
0: yeah i mean yeah that would be good for sure although i have to say like after reading last shot um last month uh uh, it's they they kind of brush over that like very quickly after um the battle of endor like Han, you know, and Leia got married and Leia was pregnant and they just make it kind of seem like it just happened really like, like basically, and it's funny because you were like, oh, I kind of felt like at the end of Return of the Jedi, she had chosen. I feel like last shot and some of the other stuff, like when it's referenced in the new canon almost kind of makes it feel like they had basically made a lifetime commitment to one another right there on Endor. You know what I mean? Like it was kind of the deal was sealed there. So I, I can't really see them revisiting a story about her having to choose between han and somebody else no no i don't think it would
1: be that way but yeah like in last shot like all those kind of glimpses into their marriage and like young ben and stuff like i think that is such a fascinating time and maybe maybe there won't be anything about like the courtship or whatever but um, it needs to
0: be claudia gray i think if if it is like yes
1: absolutely um but yeah like i and man i still really just want the book where where do things go wrong with them where's the point where han goes off to be a smuggler and uh you know leia goes off to be a general and ben is ben i think
0: Well, yeah, I don't know. We'll have to (laughs) talk about that that that. at some other point. I believe it's around, it's not until around the time that, you know, Ben turns to the dark side and all that stuff, right? Like, oh, well, no, maybe not that. Okay, anyway, yeah. it's, at least not until they send him off to the to Luke's Academy and all that stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. But Okay, uh, one more novel, and then we're going to jump into some other books uh, from the era, but one more novel is uh, The Crystal Star, um, and this one I've definitely, definitely read, and uh, I really liked it at the time. Um, and uh, I feel like this one, maybe if I'm remembering, uh, maybe it's The Courtship of Princess Leia that I'm thinking of, but uh, I feel like it doesn't have that good of a reputation with, like, um, star Wars Legends and uh, fans and stuff like that. But mm. uh, I liked it at the time. And I feel like the story is is a pretty compelling idea because uh, basically um, the uh, solo Skywalker children have been kidnapped um, at the start of this book. Um, and uh, Leia and Chewie and R2 uh, try to track down the kids. And at the same time, Han and Luke, who are cut off from Leia when some star dies... Um, which I think is like the, the you know titular star there, the crystal star uh, mm-hmm. who dies, and then there, like, it like interrupts their force connection because you're thinking like, why is Han Solo not like trying to find his kids or whatever at the time? But um, it's what it seems like um, based on like the summary and stuff. Is that like Han and Luke are off on their you know adventure leia and Chewie and r2 are going after the kids um and uh like luke and han end up finding like this weird cult guy named waru who's got like a, a following and he's got like healing powers supposedly um and they're like you know uncovering the truth about his cult and maybe it's more than what it seems like when they first find this guy and maybe there's something more sinister going on and then leia's um trying to track like find the kids so um i don't know I, I just thought like it was a pretty cool kind of uh you had like these two parallel stories going on and obviously they're gonna like those two paths are gonna probably connect at the end of the book mm-hmm. and you know everything's probably all um part of one larger sinister plan but uh i just first off i mean han and luke together adventuring mm-hmm. uh, obviously that's something people wanted to see in the sequel um <laughs> trilogy movies um uh, we didn't get that which i think is um ultimately the right call but uh this stuff is out there you know if you want to read stories about those two guys um you know adventuring together and stuff like that and then also leia has like a very high stakes you know kind of um story of her own and uh yeah i don't know i this one i think of all the books we've talked about today this one actually sounds the the most interesting to me um yeah to go back and read so um and like i said i liked it a lot at the time so it's the fifth Star Wars novel published in 1994. That's crazy. Um, yeah. And, w- and one more thing about the novels before we move on. Uh, I, one thing I'm noticing that I think will be a continuing um, trend throughout the 90s here with Star Wars publishing is there are the Drew Struzan cover art, like books that have Drew Struzan uh-huh. cover art, and there are the they don't have star, <laughs> Drew Struzan cover art. <laughs> books. Um, and there's a pretty marked difference, I feel like. you know If you look at the covers of the Jedi Academy books, um they don't look as good as um like the cover of the crystal star here which has like a really great cover actually
1: yeah i was reading about the courtship of princess leia and apparently um they like it the cover looked like a romance novel and because it kind of is and it didn't do um quite as well as they had hoped so they put a new cover on it to make it look more action focused. And on one of the covers, they because I think it was the the re-release, the new cover, um they it said that they just they needed a picture of like Han Solo, so they took like a picture of Harrison Ford from Blade Runner and just oh. put it on there.
0: As you would, sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> which okay. uh is pretty great so
0: wow yeah uh, well I, i'm yeah pretty big fan of the drew struzan um book yeah. novel covers for sure so yeah. Okay, so those are the five Star Wars novels from '94. Um, let's jump into the uh, reference and nonfiction books from '94, which mm-hmm. I think are, you know, um, potentially even more exciting and we're going to start with a guide to the star wars universe and ryan i got so excited when we were texting and yeah together the notes for the show uh, when i realized that this book came out in 1994 a guide to the star wars universe now what's interesting is that there was a guide to the star wars universe that came out in 1984 and that's the first edition um and uh i don't have that one but it is in my amazon cart as we speak um <laughs> but this is the uh the second the revised and expanded edition of a guide to the star wars universe um and uh man just like the cover i know that like looking at the cover of this book it's like dude i i looked at this book i read this book over and over and and had it with me all the time in the 90s like i loved this book and we took like the content in this book so seriously and it was like oh you want to know about star wars it's in here like you know this is we know everything we need to know we've got like the bible the star wars bible right here (laughs) like we've got it all um and uh, it's hilarious now actually to to think that we i mean it's a great book i love it you know it's really cool but like there's so much stuff in here that you would read now and just be like oh okay <laughs> not at all but at the time it was amazing so um and it's still a great book it's just you know a lot of the information has changed to this point um but this one is written by bill Slavicek. um and uh yeah it's called a guide to the star wars universe from air speeders to zorba the hut and beyond Everything you need to know about the expanding universe of Star Wars. Yeah,
1: Storm of the Hut. Mm-hmm. That's our that's our guy from the Glove of Darth Vader. Yeah,
0: books. Yep, yeah. yep, yeah. yeah. Which is the sad thing about 1994 is that there's no more books in that series uh, For coming sure. out. But. Yeah. Um yeah so this book is amazing um a couple things i want to point out about it uh number one like it's it's lightly illustrated which is cool so i mean it's mainly like an encyclopedia or it is basically an encyclopedia uh although you know obviously this is before Steve Sansweet's uh, Star Wars encyclopedia came out um mm-hmm. just a similar concept um but this one is more text heavy i think there's more images and stuff in that one uh, but it, it it has like just like a list of different things like droid names and types and names of characters from the star wars universe and battles wars and historical events from the star wars universe and all that kind of stuff um this one's good uh terminology slang colloquialisms and other abstractions uh that's a pretty good list there so all this stuff is uh, is in the beginning and then after that it's just like a to z entries about um you know, stuff from all over the Star Wars universe. Uh, So pretty great. Um, But, uh, and and it covers stuff from obviously like the the movies, the novels, um, the TV movies and TV specials. Um, So like Ewoks and droids and the Ewoks cartoon. Um, It's got stuff from the comics, the role-playing games, Mm -hmm. um, even the NPR radio dramatizations, like everything that was out basically to that point. Although I was trying to look up some of the stuff like Witches of Dathomir and, you know, the Haps or whatever. Um, and that stuff's not in here, obviously, I think, you know, because the book came out in 94. Those books came out in 94. Like, kind of probably that stuff hadn't been published yet or not in time for it to be included in this book. Um, so, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. But the, the other thing I wanted to point out... Um, which is cool too is that every entry in the book in the like encyclopedia part of the book, which is you know the majority of it, mm-hmm. um, has either a just like a plain Rebel insignia like this one um, next to it, or it has like what I think is basically like the New Republic um, Rebel insignia like post Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Um, and those are to indicate, according to the book, if those are original Lucasfilm sources. So original Lucasfilm sources would be Um, Obviously, the movies, the scripts, the novelizations, uh, the radio dramas, those are uh, uh, original Lucasfilm sources, or if it has the New Alliance symbol, New Republic symbol, it indicates that the information is drawn from an officially licensed source that may or may not agree with George Lucas's vision of the (laughs) Star Wars (laughs) galaxy. Um, So that was always cool too, like looking through this book in the 90s and like um, finding information and saying like, okay, now you know, is it from like, it would tell you like that came from the movie or it didn't. And some of them, if there's like a really long, um, kind of like, a uh, chunk of information, it'll show you like a couple paragraphs and it'll have the rebel symbol next to it. And then a couple paragraphs that have the new, new Republic or yeah, um, symbol to kind of indicate like, well, some of this stuff comes from George, but then there's stuff that comes, you know, not from George too. So, um yeah it's it's kind of awesome it's it's like the best <laughs> it was the best at the time I, I, mm-hmm. I loved it loved it loved it so um but also um i thought i would just pull out i have two little like pages i wanted to uh, read from here okay number one this is this is like the one that we would talk about all the time i remember uh back in in this era mm-hmm. page 336 the owen lars um uh entry Owen Lars was a moisture farmer on the planet Tatooine. He and his wife Beru were the guardians of Luke Skywalker. Luke believed that Owen was his natural uncle, but in fact, the man was Ben Kenobi's brother. Kenobi gave uh, Luke, or gave, yeah, Kenobi gave Luke into Owen's care right after Luke was born. Owen and his wife were killed by Imperial stormtroopers as they searched for R2 and the secret data stored in the droid's memory. And then, in brackets afterwards, it says SW, comma RJ. Um, so you know, we know where that information came from. Um the following entry on page 336 is Auris. And Auris is a large, harmless, blob-like creature that inhabits the forests of Endor's moon. And then in brackets it says ETV. So that's from the Ewoks TV show. Um, so <laughs> that's that's the kind of book we're looking at here. We've yeah. got like straight up like a major character, well, pretty important character from the Star Wars saga, and like this is straight from you know Star Wars and Return of the Jedi to you know, an entry about an Ewok character.
2: Um, yeah,
0: whatever. So, um, yeah. And obviously, like the Owen Lars stuff is like something that changed. And I remember, you know, we just like we had it committed to memory. Like Owen Lars is is Obi-Wan's brother, you know? Um, And I remember, like, I think even all through the prequel trilogy, I kept thinking or we would talk about like, oh, is it going to be revealed that, <laughs> that it's that it's Obi-Wan's brother? And I don't know. But anyway, um, yeah. A guide to the Star Wars universe this is like the coolest book and even now to track this down there's three editions of it there's another one that came out in 2000 so I gotta pick that one up too um but uh yeah just to have like a reference book of like what was what was like the Star Wars story and what was the Star Wars universe like in 1994 in comparison to now you know because Obi-Wan is not uh Owen's brother anymore you know what I mean and there's just tons of stuff like that throughout the book so um yeah I guess if you didn't read it at the time, it would hard, It would be hard to have as much excitement about <laughs> a guide to the Star Wars universe as I do. But man, there are a few books that I have loved more than this one. So,
1: yeah. And that's one I never owned or ne- never read. Um, but man, like that cover in particular, that second edition, like that was just always there when I was like looking at Star Wars books in like the nineties and Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah i just remember seeing it around so much
0: yeah yep for sure i think um i think it was pretty important to a lot of star wars fans like in that era you know so um but uh the the other book i wanted to point out from this time period uh a reference book or what do you want to say is the art of star wars um and this is a book that was published in 79 i think yeah um, so it's a re-release of that but And so I almost thought like, well, we don't need to talk about this because it's really a book from 79. This is the 90s. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't need to talk about it. But um, I think you can tell by looking at like the cover of it um, and just like the branding and stuff, the fonts, all that. Like this is that era when and actually this is cool to point out, too, on the back um, at the top it says classic Star Wars, you know, Uh and I think this is this is like that period of time. Like obviously, you know, one of the reasons we're doing the Power of the '90s series is because like Star Wars was coming back in a big way in the '90s. It had been dormant for a while, and now they were like making this push. Um, and and you know, you can really see that here with like sort of celebrating the original trilogy and and re-releasing some of this stuff um, from this time. Uh, and it, you know, it's it, it, even though they're not talking really about the prequels yet you know there is like um at this period of time like this this sort of like uh organization or or uh, classification of star wars like hey you had this great period of time like when star wars was established in the late 70s to you know the mid 80s that's like an era of star wars now we're starting this new era we've got all these books and games and whatever um, but you could kind of feel i think that there was like the next era you know, of star Wars on the way too, So um, that part of it, I like whenever I see stuff that's got like that mid nineties branding to it. Um, and it's an mm-hmm. original trilogy thing. Um, that's always like a, a really cool feeling. It just reminds me of that time when, when star Wars was starting to get pushed again and mm-hmm. uh, pretty important to me because I wasn't, like I said, a huge star Wars fan before that. And um, this push to like reintroduce it to the public consciousness or like, I don't think it ever went away completely, but like to to sort of make it a living thing again um, is a big part of what got me into being a Star Wars fan. Um, yep. And the other thing I want to talk about with this book too, just because we have talked a bunch about um, the modern art of Star Wars books um, on this podcast. Um, And this one is really different from the ones that come out now, (laughs) which, you know, and it makes me, I mean, this is really cool and I like it, but it also makes me really appreciate the new ones because essentially what this is is like an annotated script. It has the entire script of A New Hope in there Um, and then just like images that correspond to the script um, accompanying it. And then, you know, there'll be like two, three pages of script with images and then there'll be four or five pages with like no text from the script and just you know images and stuff so there are there is plenty of uh of you know content in here that's just art you know what i mean it's not like only i I guess it it sort of undersells it to say it's just an annotated script with some images because it is as focused or more focused on the images than it is the script um but it's not telling a narrative of like the production and how Mm -hmm. pre-production moved into production and post-production and you know it it doesn't really highlight the um the designers and and artists in the same way that the new books do um so it's just a really different thing like i mean it gives credit to those people in terms of like every you know product or every um piece of art you know um an author uh, or an artist is attributed to it. So it's not like it's like not giving credit, but it's not telling those people's stories. It's not, it doesn't have, you know, interviews and, and quotes from those people. And it's not talking about like the development process and the thought process and the creative process of putting the stuff together um, in the way that the new ones do. So um, it is interesting in that regard and the way that it's different from um, the modern books. And then the other two sides. So that's like the the bulk of the book, but then section two and three, um, section two is like the poster art and promotional art from star Wars, which that I love. And that would, that would be something they, they really couldn't do that in the modern art of books. Cause they come out like the day the movie comes out. Um, mm-hmm. but this one's a little more like retrospective, like looking at the entirety of the art, um, associated with that movie. So including like the poster art and stuff. And I like that. Um, but then also, uh, at the end of the book in section three, there is uh, fan art and, and art from like professional artists and stuff too that have made stuff that, like, those like parodies, like comics and things like that, like you know newspaper um, mm-hmm. comics and things like that. And but then there's also um, fan drawings, and a lot of them are from like little kids, so that's pretty <laughs> great too. Like in the art of Star Wars, there's just oh my god, yeah, kids drawings and stuff like, and there's probably like five oh, cool. pages of that. Yeah, um, let's see, one of them's a letter, even like. <laughs> Yeah. You'd have to, you just have to look at it, but it's, it's pretty great. Wow. Um, yeah. Brian McGoldrick wrote this letter on March 14th, 1979. He lived in San Jose, California. Um, and he wrote to the star Wars fan club and, uh, at the bottom, he drew some of his favorite star Wars characters. So. Oh my God. That is it, a great Jawa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So um very cool that this was kind of re-released in, uh, in the nineties and 94. Um, like I said as part of a push to bring Star Wars back into the consciousness and sort of say like what can we draw from from the past that would be good to, to put out there and get back into people's consciousness now um, and uh, yeah it's, it's great uh, it's a soft cover book you know um, I, I actually have it because Kevin um, pushed it my way passed it along to me so that was cool of, uh, of Kevin to do but um, yeah So whew, lots of books, man, we're, <laughs> we're like an almost an hour in and we've only talked about novels and, um, and reference books from 94. So, uh, we better keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> West End Games, the RPG publishers, um, who, by the way, Bill Slavichek, who is the author of uh, guide to the Star Wars universe. I don't know if you saw in the notes there, but yeah, uh, yeah West End Games, TSR, Wizards of the Coast, um, worked for all those companies. So he was like a role-playing guy. Um, which makes sense because there's so yeah. much content in those um, source books that would need to be, um, that you'd need to know to, yeah. to do one of these. So, uh, but anyway, there's just one source book I think released in '94, as far as I can tell, which is the Last Command source book and would mm-hmm. be one based on um, the final book in the Erics of the Empire series. Um, So that one came out in 94. But then also, this is crazy to me. I did not know about this. And (laughs) so want to track some of these down. Uh, West End was also publishing, started to publish in 94. The Star Wars Adventures Journal, which is uh, a role-playing magazine, um, like I said, published by West End Games. Um, And they published four issues total in 94. Um, And uh, it seems like it had... I don't do you know what this would like what would this be, Ryan? What's a role playing magazine? did you were, were there like d and d magazines? That you yeah,
1: well, I mean, there was dragon, um, okay. which was the big one. And basically in like a role playing game magazine, like you'd have um you might have uh, like different different rules sets, uh, different ways to play. There might be like a module in there, like, that you could play with your role-playing group or a few modules. There might be, um, some, like, you know, lore, uh, in there that you could, um, that you could use, uh, to kind of, you know, spruce up the game you're playing with your group, um, maybe interviews with designers and like what's coming next what are and then like hyping the next books
0: okay well yeah um that sounds you can
1: amazing. you could definitely fill a magazine i mean dragon went on for years and years
0: yeah well and apparently this first issue of star wars adventures journal is 288 pages long <laughs> oh I, I would imagine they're not all that long but yeah. i don't know um that's so, crazy yeah so i i and I don't know if these are expensive to track down now or what, but uh, yeah. I would love to have a couple of those in the collection for sure. So... All right. So that's like, that's what was going on with Star Wars publishing as far as books go in 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about comics. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of more your forte, Ryan. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like what, four different Star Wars comic series going on in the 90s? Uh, yeah. in, in the 90, More than the 90s, in 94, four different <laughs> yeah. Star Wars comics. Yeah. So let's talk about those. What's, what is Droids? Uh,
1: so Droids is the, I guess it's kind of like a reboot of the comics about droids um and these are these are the dark horse we're in like the dark horse era now we're post marvel um but like dro- there was originally a droids comic that was based on the cartoon um right and that's really weird <laughs> um i actually um i have an anthology of uh some droids comics and some Ewoks comics and those are they're all based on the cartoon and they're all insane and <laughs> like so ridiculous. Um, they're for kids. Like real young kids. Um, but this is like a more serious, more of like that Dark Horse style of Star Wars comics. I've, um, you know, I had some issues of this um, or I still have. Um, but I haven't really revisited um, this series in um, in many many years. But it it is more of that like um, dark horse vein of of he, droids comics.
0: Yeah, because I'm looking at the cover of Star Wars Droids: The Kalarba Adventures number three, and it features C three PO with like an angry look on his face, holding like a blaster rifle, like. Yeah. In the direction of the, <laughs> of the viewer, and I'm like, "Whoa, this is like a this is more of a intense C3PO than we're used to for sure." So, yeah, that can see where it's a uh, it's a little more of that dark horse vibe.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, very very different than the than the Marvel droids comics.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so the other things released uh, this year were um again like you said they're you know bringing back like hey this is classic star wars this is the original trilogy and um they had uh classic star wars number one which is the um i would assume is a reprint of marvel comics star wars number one um which came out in I think 77 or 78 um, for the first issue of the Marvel books, because I think the first four issues of the Marvel line were the retelling of a new hope. And so this is a reprint of that. It's beginning to reprint those, uh, those issues under the, the dark horse banner and, um, something that i just finally we've talked about this before um but like i'm just finally digging into now are the classic star wars the early adventures um which are reprints of the comic strips from um seven like 1979 1980 and i believe that the comic strips are re- referring to here, um, I don't actually have any of these issues, but um, The Star Wars The Early Adventures would be the uh, Rex Manning uh, strips and newspaper strips, and I actually just or Russ Manning, not Rex Manning, not Rex Manning day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, a different kind of empire. Um <laughs> so yeah I just recently and uh, if you're watching the video version um got this uh Newspaper Strips Volume 1 Epic Collection um at a sale at my uh one of my local comic shops and it has um those strips here yeah. and I think they're the reprinted um these are obviously like recolored and i'm not sure if i wouldn't say recolored but they're like really touched up and um stuff and i'm not sure exactly what the um strips look like in these you know single um floppy comics that came out at the time but um this book like these are absolutely gorgeous these newspaper strips um reprinted in this uh, marvel epic collection um and they're like the the artwork is insanely good and you know it was just one dude doing these like he did the writing the pencils and the colors for these newspaper strips russ manning and like they are just incredible looking like I mean, it's kind of a above and beyond what you'd expect to see in a newspaper uh, strip. Like, there's so much detail in every uh, every panel. And um, yeah, th- I've, I've read um, a few of these, and they're really fun and, um, you know, really weird, as all Star Wars stuff from the late 70s, early 80s are, and... Um, it pulling influences from all over the place, which um, you know may or may not be what George intended with stuff, but mm-hmm. um, I think they're really cool. And like the actual likenesses of the characters from the films are just are great. So um, these are lovely, lovely comics, and it's cool that um, you know once Dark Horse got that Star Wars license, um, that they would hold basically from you know the early 90s all the way to the um essentially the the disney buyout um that they like did go back and uh you know kind of take whatever had come before um to make it more accessible for people
0: Yeah. And again, I think it's just like, this is the, you know, the first couple of years of like, hey, Star Wars is back and we've got a bunch of new stuff coming out, but also let's celebrate and re-release like um, some of the stuff from the past too, um, to kind of get Star Wars fever stoked again Mm -hmm. um, in the hearts and minds of fans in the, in the mid nineties here. So uh, yeah, it would be cool to track down some of those um, those issues from then, um, you know, just to see kind of how they were collected and presented then in 94. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I think, too, like something I've been meaning to get, um, which are, you know, available now up on uh, Amazon or wherever, are uh, the Star Wars, the classic newspaper comics volumes from IDW. Uh, the
1: hard covers.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah so um and and uh, i know i listened to an interview with the editor of those um which is uh what's his name rich uh hanley i think i just had it here um but anyway um uh, talking about how they put these together and kind of sounds like, like the best um kind of way to to pick these up um there's two volumes that are out now um and uh and one more volume at least coming out uh, later this year. So um, those are up on Amazon. Nice big hardcover editions, um, and they're only about $32 right now um, for each kind of
2: nice.
0: collection. Yes, so I've uh, been meaning to pick those up. Hopefully I'll, <laughs> I'll grab those soon because um, uh, just like in the, in the 90s, just like in 94, there is so much Star Wars stuff coming out. <laughs> it's definitely difficult to keep up with all of it, but yeah, those, those would be great to get um cool all right uh oh well we still have uh tales of the jedi to talk about too right
1: yes yes dark lords of the sith um i'm not actually sure what this is i assume like i'm thinking it's maybe um that old republic era because that's kind of what knights of the old republic that uh fell under this tales of the jedi banner so i'm thinking this is a Mm pre-pre-prequel um but I'm not actually sure I'm not familiar with, uh,
2: with this arc. So,
0: yeah. Um, I'm looking at some stuff about it on, uh, Wikipedia here now. Um, and, uh, these, uh, seem to be set in the year three, nine, nine, eight BBY. So what's that like almost 4,000 years before the battle of Yavin. Okay. Uh, So, yep, definitely in that era. And, um, uh, interestingly uh, features a battle on Onderon which is uh, a planet that's talked about uh, you know later on like in the Clone Wars and stuff and uh, it was definitely part of like the whole Star Wars uh, you know canon and everything um, and then yeah just like uh, looks like Jedi versus Sith Sith magic Jedi war blah 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 you know that whole uh-huh. thing from that era so I shouldn't say blah 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 dismissively I just mean like you know, <laughs> we've we heard about like you know it's kind of what you'd expect like bunch of jedi find a bunch of sith there's some supernatural elements to it and uh mm-hmm. you know i'm looking at a cover here this definitely has that dark horse vibe everything looks very um i don't know uh what's the what's the word here uh very intense very kind of mature um uh, the faces look a little more angry than you're used to with star wars covers i feel like so um, yeah it's got that vibe going for sure but people and love I... people love tales of the jedi i know these are like, yeah. really well liked and uh yeah, must have been pretty pretty awesome at the time.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, it really can't be understated, like, Dark Horse's contribution to bringing back Star Wars. Because remember, this was, like, 90s comic boom time. Like, we are just, like, on the cusp of the image revolution. Uh, you know, there's, like, you know, X-Men number one death of superman like all this stuff is happening like comics are like the biggest they've been in forever and um you know like 90s comics like they do have like a like an edgelord vibe to them (laughs) but um like dark horse did such a good job like kind of capturing that and but like making it fit with Star Wars, like these books, like they look as good as anything like Marvel or DC is putting out, but they're Star Wars. Um, which is and you know, they they continued that the the whole run, like it, it they really had like super high standards and they kind of captured the essence of like the zeitgeist of that time. And uh, I think that's, like, that's really cool because that probably, um, you know, brought a lot of people back to the Star Wars fold or, you know, people who were frequenting comic shops at this time, like, oh, I've heard of Star Wars or I remember this from being a kid or whatever, and uh, this looks cool.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think, like, it is easy to forget that, you know, pre... Would you say like pre-internet, pre kind of, well, yeah, basically that pre-internet, like, you know, if you were into this stuff, like you were hanging out probably at a comic book store, you know what I mean? And uh, in a way that people, I mean, comic book stores are still vital and still important and stuff, but you know, not like they don't have the cultural kind of uh, cachet that they did at that time. You know what I mean? Like the influence and stuff. So um, for star Wars to be present and visible, like in, comic stores i think was mm-hmm. yeah it must have been pretty important at the time um like you said to bringing it back help him bring it back so um for sure all right star wars publishing 1994 that's that's everything we're going to cover in most if not everything that came out at the time so five novels couple reference books some more west end game stuff uh four different comic series there was a ton going on in 94 and a lot of good stuff <laughs> Let's move to games, uh, video games, and uh, we just have two that we're going to talk about today. So two that two that were released in '94. So actually, a little more of a light year as far as game releases go. Um, great though. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let's start with Super Return of the Jedi. We've already talked about Super Star Wars and Super Empire, so uh, <laughs> we don't need to to get into this too much. But this is the third in that series. Uh, obviously, wrapping up that trilogy of games on the Super Nintendo um and uh i love these games they are just side-scrolling action games um and uh really really impressive visually for the time i think Mm -hmm. um definitely take some liberties with the star wars (laughs) property right of uh, making it more uh video gamey and i think that's perfect and fun Uh um so i played a little bit of it uh i have it Where, where did i put it here i have it um Uh, I've got all three of these and I played um, them a bunch uh, like maybe last year or the year before when I went, picked these up again uh, for the super Nintendo and I played a little bit of super return of the Jedi to prep for the show. Um, Looks like you played a bit too.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So yeah. um, uh, You can play as uh, Luke, Chewie or Leia early on in the game, Um, but you can also play as Han later on. You can play as Wicket. You can play as Chewie. So it kind of just depends on like what part of the movie and what sort of uh, environment you're in, um, yeah. and you get to play as different characters. So I think that's 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 a cool feature um, that uh, is is more present here than it was in the other two games. I think. Yeah. Um, all you could play as quite a few characters in Empire too. I think, if I'm remembering correctly. But um, anyway, uh, let's see what else. Um, you like that mode seven driving part to start the game? I thought that was a weird opening <laughs> to Super Return. <laughs> uh, it, it
1: is weird, but I like
2: it. It's yeah. like
0: it's like, hey, um, let's get let's get players into this game. Let's like let's hook them. Let's let's start strong. Um, you're in a land speeder, getting to trying to <laughs> trying to make it to Jabba's palace on Tatooine, uh, yeah. but there's giant like gaping like I don't know um, holes in the ground all over, yeah. and you've got to jump them. <laughs> yeah, and it, like. I don't know that it would have been that treacherous just to get to Japan's Palace. Um. Uh, um
1: yeah, yeah. It reminds me of like playing a ghost house in Super Mario Kart on um, yeah. the Super Nintendo, the original Mario Kart. Um with like the um the holes in the, the crown and they're just like blackness. Yeah. Um but yeah. I guess
0: I guess it's like a it's a prologue to the game, but to me it's weird because it's like, well, if you're gonna have a level like that, like have a couple standard levels first so people uh-huh. like know what the game is about, and then throw one of those like bonus levels in. Yeah, but it's, to start with it is. It's kind of hard too. Yeah, it is kind of <laughs> hard. This game is very hard. Also, the by the way, hard. yeah, I was playing on easy, me. and yeah. struggling a little bit. So. Oh,
1: for sure. <laughs> um and yeah like in, in that driving part like even if you're like almost to the end if you like fall in a hole or get bumped into a hole like you have to start the whole section over it's uh it's pretty brutal
0: yeah yep totally totally um a- after that though you uh i played as leia i don't know who you played as um in that second level but um you, you can play as luke chewy or leia there mm-hmm. at the start and um You have to make your way into Jabba's Palace, which is um, more what I'd expect in a game like that. Um, And uh, as you get to the end of that level, you fight your first boss of the game, um, (laughs) which is, as you described it here in our show notes, the giant check-in eye at Jabba's Palace. Yeah. (laughs) The one that pops out to 3PO and R2, and 3 is like, let's just go, let's get out of here. Um, Um,
1: Yeah, now he's he's giant. Um, I'm sure that eye thing has a name. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, we don't know, but it,
0: it might be in a guide to the Star Wars universe, it but might I, I don't be. since do it's alphabetical. Even... I don't know how to look it up.
1: Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's I thought that was pretty funny. Um, well, it's but, also
0: just real quick. It's like a great yeah. illustration of what makes these games really fun, I think, because, yeah. you know, it's it's telling the story of Return of the Jedi. And it's actually pretty. Uh, dedicated I think to like in a lot of ways accurately representing that and like mm-hmm. kind of telling that whole story and like visually everything looks like really cool on a 16 bit style like from those movies and everything um, but at the same time it is totally okay these games are totally okay with being like this is a video game let's make it video gamey yeah. Um, so yeah that check in eye all of a sudden is massive and like <laughs> a real threat to you instead of just like a camera on a, <laughs> on a stick you know <laughs> yeah Um, but and i know some people would probably i'm sure at the time people were like that doesn't make any sense or that's crazy or whatever and people you know maybe now would go back to it and say the same thing but to me like that's perfect that's what you got to do with the video game i feel like you know or you don't have to but it's a it's a great approach to take which is just to say guess what this is a video game let's double down on the fact that it's a video game and make it a fun video game you know yeah so i like that
1: Um, I something also just like I noticed and it's really apparent like right in that first side scrolling level is like the the actual stage design has I feel like really opened up um, because there it it feels like uh, and I'm I'm wondering if it if these games were informed by it at all but like it feels like a sonic level. Because you just, you have so many paths you can take, like in old school, like the first trilogy of Sonic games on the Genesis, like you could, I mean, you could finish a level in a multitude of different ways. Like there's, um, those levels were so big and open for. Um, for, like, a platformer-style game, and I definitely get that feeling here. Like, you can take a path where you're gonna get a bunch of, like, one-ups, and um, you know, it may have some different style platforming and stuff, or you can take, like, the low road where um, you know, it's uh, different different challenges, and I think that's uh, that's really cool that the levels are Feeling so open in this game.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I noticed that as I was playing in that that well that second level, trying to get into Jabba's palace as Leia. Like, you know, I'd be pretty high up and then fall and think like, oh no, this is it, I'm dead. You know, but really, yeah. you'd see that there was just like multiple kind of levels of the level like you know um and then as you as you fell it's like okay well i could have been traveling to the right you know way down here or I could have been doing that like a little higher up or been all the way at the top i think you have to be up you know pretty high to finish the level um but i was definitely happy about that because i was thinking like okay i'm falling it's kind of gonna die and um instead it was just like it just kind of showed how how much there was yeah you know so yeah um, well, I love those games. I love Super Star Wars. Um, some of my favorite Star Wars video games ever. So, uh, pretty solid conclusion, I think, to uh, to that series there mm-hmm. in 1994. So, yeah. let's talk about the other um, big release. This is the definitely the bigger of the two games, the one that's remembered yeah. um, uh, super fondly and uh, was had a huge impact. I think at the time it came out, which is mm-hmm. Tie Fighter on the PC. Um, I'm thinking you were playing this game in the '90s, Ryan. Like when it came out. Is that correct?
1: Uh, not when it came out, but um, but after I did, I did end up playing it. Um, and yeah, it's sequel to X Wing. It's like arcade sim, I guess would be uh, the way to describe it. It's not like a total like one to one sim, like a like microsoft flight simulator or something but um it's also not entirely just like an arcade shooter it's not it's it's not just like star wars arcade um it's uh it again like i talked about when we talked about x-wing um on i think that was 93 the Mm -hmm. last episode of this um the games felt like heavily influenced by Wing Commander, which was a series that I absolutely loved um, during this time period. And like, I really got into these kind of games, but they're also, uh, they're pretty hard. Um, and which is a reoccurring theme with uh, a lot of Star Wars games, it seems. But um, yeah, these games are definitely tricky. Um so I never actually like finished any of them, but um, yeah, again, just like we're seeing the, you know, this is kind of the genesis of what um, LucasArts could do, um, you know, the video game publishing arm of uh, Lucasfilm. And we saw it in like, you know, Rebel Assault and, you um, we're seeing it again here just like the really high production values like this is stuff that's you know this these are like hardcore pc games like these are not you know games that really couldn't run on any of the mainstream hardware at the time like you couldn't have really had an accurate one-to-one version of this on like the super nintendo or sega genesis um like and i mean also just there's so many like you need like a keyboard and a flight stick to like play these games basically like um they were so demanding
0: and uh the the button layout like for the keyboard or whatever like there are like 40 buttons to remember it's crazy i was just trying to play it this week and i played a little bit and uh it's not really my style of 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 game because like I don't know man it's it's so kind of simulation heavy i feel like i don't know if that's the right word to use or not but yeah you know um you'll click on a mission to do and some imperial officer is telling you like hey you know there's there's freighters coming in to this sector and they need to all be inspected um so fly by them and inspect them one by one you know yeah and and, and usually like some all of a sudden, something will start shooting at you or whatever, and it'll get more actiony. But even when it is, it's like, I mean, I don't know what I'm doing, and I'm not good at the game, so that's probably part of it. But I feel like I would like fly around for like two minutes before, like, finally, like an X-wing or something would like blast past me super quickly, and then I'd have like trouble finding out where it <laughs> went. And like, I don't know, it's just yeah. really, um, it's, it's 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 very light on the arcadey part of it. I feel like, and and much mm. more. And even like when you click on a mission, if you like listen to or read all of the the text and stuff. Um, you could be there for like five to ten minutes, just like prepping for the mission, like reading about everything that you're gonna do and seeing like all the layouts of like the maps and stuff. It's it's intense. It's it's a lot. So, uh, but I think again in in 1994 when there was no m- new movies coming out and you know um, a lot of this, I don't know what you'd call it, like ancillary material or you know mm-hmm. uh, material in other mediums besides film um, was what was keeping Star Wars alive or like keeping Star Wars fresh and exciting um i think this was you know must have been super super cool to just be able to have this like very deep very lengthy um like you said super high production value experience um interactive experience with the star wars universe i think was i know it was huge for people because yeah. of, these games are still talked about a ton and like you know you'll hear people say stuff like that's my star wars tie fighter that's my star you know what i mean like people yeah. love to and i don't know what it would how long it would take to complete one of these games but <sighs> i'm sure people played them for you know
1: that's, that's a whole that's, summer I, yeah exactly right yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah yeah and um. i think eventually like they'd um kind of find the sweet spot in my opinion for like these games that like you know it's going all the way back to star wars arcade and then x-wing and then tie fighters um like i think they would kind of find that that sweet spot with like the rogue squadron games mm-hmm. that made them like accessible to um you know players who weren't like the last starfighter (laughs) like um just like regular people playing on consoles and stuff um but yeah i mean these are the kinds of games that with you know which was the case with a lot of pc games at the time like you bought this game and you need to commit to it like whether it's like an like an rpg or a a sim like this or a strategy game like that becomes your life and that was kind of the expectation with uh pc games of like this era and uh and i i don't know there's something like it it makes it hard for the games to be like super accessible now um even though you can get these on like gog or steam um which is cool they got them like you can run them on like you gotta commit to them <laughs>
0: yeah yeah no absolutely uh i'm 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 more of the rogue squadron you know kind of guy myself uh for sure but yeah but um uh, like i said i you know these games were just hugely important at the time so um i've got uh a a few videos i'm going to post um to our youtube page of both of these games so if anybody's interested in checking those out uh not too much gameplay maybe i'll link to um, like uh, another channel that's got you know some <laughs> more comprehensive gameplay footage of it, but um, as I was messing around with the games, I, I noticed that number one, the opening cinema is just really cool, especially just to get to like soak up that like ninety Star Wars vibe. Like uh-huh. you really get a feeling of like what was Star Wars like in 1994 for you know fans who just were wanting to live and breathe some Star Wars, but didn't have any new movies coming out. Like it's a great um, example of that. And it's pretty cool and super high production values, like you said. Um, so there's that, but then there's also just like, even within like the menus of the game and stuff, there's man, there there was, um, is a section where um you can go in and look at all the individual starcraft from the game and it has like different descriptions of them and information about them and stuff and you can just click through and look at all this so um yeah just a ton of of content and stuff and and again like if you're somebody in 1994 who's loving like reading a book like this and just like TIE Fighter had a lot to offer in terms of that stuff even coming from somebody who didn't play it at the time and you know doesn't play this kind of game and like you know it doesn't have the same impact on me this game that it does on I think or that it did on a lot of Star Wars fans at the time Um, but there's still you know a ton of great stuff in there for sure All right. Uh, so as we wrap up here, let's just talk about a couple other little things going on in Star Wars in 1994. Um, actually, the the first one here, you know what? Neither one of them are little. They're actually both huge. <laughs> <I think. laughs> yeah. Um, the first one, um, you know, maybe uh, not quite as big as the second, but the first the first bullet point here for for other stuff happening in '94 is that the Lucasfilm Fan Club magazine became Star Wars Insider with issue number 23. Um, So, you know, I guess to a certain extent, it's like, well, that magazine already existed. But um, to have that branding of Star Wars Insider, that was huge for us in the 90s, I feel like. Um,
1: Yeah, and I think that kind of, you know, signifies the uh, the all hands on deck approach to Star Wars that's coming from Lucasfilm. Um, Because like. I don't I don't know what the Lucasfilm magazine was before it became Insider but I would assume maybe it's like here's some Indiana Jones stuff here's some Willow here's Tucker a man in his dream I don't know like no. what what that would consist of but um yeah this is like we are going to be the Star Wars company
0: yeah 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 totally you're right and i mean it does it does still cover some of that stuff like there's there's still the first well not the first couple but there's a few pages like near the beginning of the issue that's like here's what's going on with lucasfilm like lucas arts and here's what's going on with indiana jones and here's what's going on like there's a part where it's like oh uh Radioland murders is in post production and giving a little update yeah. on that you know so it, but but it's 95% star wars um and that that's how it always was like throughout the 90s it's like yeah they'd have some information about indie and stuff in there you know um but it was it was full on like star wars at that point so yeah yeah for sure and i mean this obviously this coincides with star wars um getting that bigger push that it's getting in the early 90s it's like it's, we're going to do a star wars magazine um all star wars all the time so um i was looking through this for this first issue of of insider um again yesterday and man there's some great stuff in there there's interviews with like carrie fisher and dennis lawson um news about upcoming like lucasfilm um releases and stuff from their licensing partners and things like that which is cool uh early in the magazine there's a little column that confirms um, that the special editions um, are going to be released in 1997. Mm-hmm. So this is something that, you know, was announced uh, in 1994. Um, wow. So three years off. Yeah, but but uh, it kind of shows, I guess, that Lucasfilm, like, the machine was starting to, you know, get put in motion here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's a lot of stuff coming out in 94. But, you know, they already had their eye on we, we're going to put those special editions out in early 97 um and obviously those would have taken time to produce so you know you figure like if they started working on those in 94 that's you know a little less than three years i guess to get all three of those movies cleaned up and new special effects and all that stuff so um that makes sense but uh The thing that I love the most about going back and looking at um, this first issue of Star Wars Insider and really a lot of the issues of Insider, especially from the 90s, is to look at the Jawa Trader section of the (laughs) the magazine, which is this catalog um, that, that features all this amazing Star Wars merchandise that you could buy. Uh, in 1994 and there's I mean the stuff is so cool because number one it all has that like early to mid 90s Star Wars aesthetic to it which I was Uh talking about earlier you know with like the art of Star Wars and stuff and uh, I love that but I mean there's there's pins and shirts and posters and watches and masks and models. And then also weirder stuff like pewter statues. And, uh, I I love to like the, the star Wars collectible, uh, plates, you know, that you'd like put in your hutch or whatever Um, (laughs) they've, they've got that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's like so cool to go back and look at, um, all the stuff that was available then. Um, fans of uh of uh blast points podcast uh, no doubt have heard them talk about the star wars uh Ge- the george lucas super live uh mm-hmm. adventure from japan and there is uh, i don't know if those guys have seen this uh, issue or not but <laughs> there's like a whole half a page of uh super live um uh, merchandise that could have been easily purchased out of the star wars insider
2: uh, at that
0: time yeah so um, it's like an, it's, it's, what an amazing dream, you know, if, uh, it, it, if somehow like you could just order from that catalog now, you know, like, oh, oh no. here's a copy of insider 23, <laughs> put your order in yeah, for all this a like,
1: or money order.
0: <laughs> yeah. <to laughs> oh my God. That would be the best. Yeah. Oh so uh yeah anyway um insider uh amazing um ryan you just recently resubscribed right you have a subscription inside yeah
1: yeah i've been uh, i've been picking up some back issues i've been um buying the uh collected editions or the best of insider yeah. books and reading through those because man some of those interviews like it's mm-hmm. so crazy like that is like I mean that's like an episode of the show on their own like some of the some of the interviews and insights from like you know the late 70s early 80s with you know people involved in stars that like were either debuted in insider or were reprinted because they did a lot of like reprinting of like compiled interviews that maybe showed up in like another magazine or um you know a newspaper or whatever um a a film trade magazine who knows like and that's uh that's really cool
2: yeah
1: yeah and and insider now is just it's it's a wonderful wonderful magazine um that it's awesome to subscribe to you should do it lots of star wars content
0: yeah i I, I know i need to it's just like Oh man, I feel like it's magazines are just so expensive now in general, I guess, you yeah. know, cause it's like eight bucks an issue or something, isn't it? I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's pretty pricey, but yeah, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. I'd love to pick up more, um, back issues too of insider. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Last thing, last yeah. thing, um, kind of important, pretty, pretty big, I guess, big story the biggest. in 94. Um, the biggest. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> episode one pre-production begins. Yeah, um, and i don't think this was really necessarily announced though right because i didn't see anything about this in like insider or anything like that i think yeah. it happened but it's probably still kind of under the radar uh at this point i'm not sure we'll probably find out in 95 that the the official announcement comes out that they're working on the prequels but that
1: sounds about right
0: yeah so um, but we we use the um star wars what's the title of the book the year by year yeah um book and in that that lists uh 94 is the year that that lucas george lucas begins writing episode one drops Uh, his kids off to school in november
1: and then
0: comes back home you can watch it happen in the beginning um the most amazing star wars documentary um right up there alongside uh from star wars to jedi and the director and the jedi but um Uh yeah uh doug Chang, doug Chang brought on as design director as well
1: yeah yeah and um that's uh that's what uh year by year says um there's actually an interview with uh doug chang in the um new issue of insider and he he says that his first like official day was like january 95 but you know it's still in this like time frame and like the conversation. Continuity
0: error. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> which is canon. Pablo, yeah, we... tell me the Doug Chang canon. Uh,
0: maybe he was hired in 94, but didn't actually start work until then.
1: Yeah, but like they, I mean, him and obviously the discussions are happening. The script is starting.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: the wheels are in motion. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's what all this is building to. Like the special editions, the you know, return of the comics, the novels, everything is building to 99 in the release of episode one,
0: yeah, for sure. Um, and and you have here as our last bullet point for our our power of the 90s 1994 uh, show notes, you have a quote here, um, yes, which uh, what, what is this quote here, Ryan? And where, this where is this?
1: Is, um, what George Lucas told Doug Chang when he came. Back to um, when he like came to, or came to uh, Lucasfilm to begin um, production on the prequels, um, Lucas said, "Forget everything you know about what Star Wars is, because we're going to start over."
0: <laughs> they did that uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, they yeah. did that with the with the design of uh, Phantom Menace. Um, man, that's cool. That's crazy. So, so George Lucas, yeah.
1: And that's the thing, like because I think like you know Doug Chang came in and was so excited. He's like, "Oh, I love Star Wars! Like this is so exciting! Like I love, you know, Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope, and like that's what got me to become an artist and a designer." And then George is like, "No,
0: can't look like that. <laughs> no, it's got to look different." Yeah, um, yeah. Well, there's. I mean, obviously, in the in the prequels and in the Phantom Menace, there is so much. Um, very Star Wars feeling stuff but as far as like the art design goes like you know Naboo and Naboo Cruisers and all mm-hmm. that stuff like you know they really did push it away from the look of the original trilogy which yeah. you know I think they, they could have maybe not pushed it quite so far away look wise but uh, you know but, but, but by the time you get to Revenge of the Sith I think they got that down like you know yeah. it's, that's kind of to me what like prequel era Star Wars should have looked like it's still very yeah. OT but it's, it's yeah. got a, a newer look to it, but, but it's an evolving thing. And, uh, Doug Chang's amazing, obviously. Um, yeah. I think you had just texted me recently that he's, uh, talking in the new insider about working on episode nine or, yeah. or somewhere yeah. you saw that he's talking he's, about working on it.
1: No, it's in uh, it's an insider in that mm-hmm. interview. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's overseeing the art department. Like when he, um, you know, came back to, um, Lucasfilm after the Disney buyout um, he was like brought in as like an overseer, I believe. Um, but yeah, he's actually like he's really um committed to like staying on top of his art game. Um, so he's actually like working on um designs and stuff as well. Um I don't know if that's like not just a-
0: being a manager or whatever or supervisor, yeah, like, but also being down yeah. in the trenches and
1: yeah, which well, I yeah. think is great because man, like Um, you know, I mean, there are some complaints about, um, the, how different, uh, episode one in particular looks. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also like, I think that's amazing because we have this, this one Star Wars movie that looks like nothing else. (laughs) Like, because even, even into like episode two, like it started to, a lot of stuff started to normalize. Um, I think, like, that transition and then by episode three, like, we're basically at, like, you know, oh, this makes sense. This is right before, like, this is before A New Hope. Um, But, like, episode one, just there's so many just crazy designs and um, it's such, like, like, a beautiful film. And I think, like, you know, Doug Chain, I think he designed, like, the Naboo Starfighters and stuff which are and like um uh padme's ship as well like which are just like the craziest like i don't know like 50s style designs and uh i love that stuff so much
0: yeah. 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 And I mean, there was some controversy about the look of Phantom Menace and how different it was, but, um, I think that's all down to George, you know, like Doug Chang mm-hmm. was creating some really beautiful, um, designs based on what George wanted it to be. And if George wanted it to be more original trilogy, uh, Doug Chang would have done that. <laughs> yeah. And, but, uh, yeah. So I think like, yeah, he's, he's, uh, obviously insanely talented and, um, uh, has done amazing work in star Wars and, uh, you know, starting with the Phantom Menace, and then you know we mm-hmm. get to see him do different things uh, post Phantom Menace. So um, for sure, although I do I do remember because uh, I'd have to look this up, uh, but I know he left kind of I think before the prequel trilogy was over. Um, like I don't think he was designed. Yeah, on, like
1: um, early two thousands, he formed his own production
2: company
0: yeah and i think at the time i remember kind of feeling like oh well i like the way that like revenge of the sith looks better you know than than phantom menace and Mm. you know kind of thinking like oh well maybe it's a good thing that doug chain you know is not kind of responsible for the look of revenge of the sith because i like the way it looks better and stuff but um i don't feel that way anymore i feel like it's like george just really wanted it to have like a a very unique and and different kind of look in the phantom menace and uh you know, I think that's clear, especially when you see some of the amazing stuff that uh, Doug Chang has done for the sequel trilogy and yeah. how Star Wars it looks and stuff. So, um, probably few people uh, who have as much um, like he would be one of the heavy hitters as far as like having that that total um, Star Wars expertise, like of having mm-hmm. worked with George and worked on multiple eras of Star Wars films and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, pretty amazing resource, and I'm glad he's back there at Lucasfilm for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well let's let's wrap up here uh, this um, episode of the Power of the '90s for 1994, packed year, tons of great stuff, um, and uh, you know we'll uh, we'll keep looking at each uh, each year of the '90s, and back next year in '95, and '95 is a huge huge year. Um, Yeah, I don't know if we'll be able to fit it all into one episode because
1: I don't know 95 like that's where it gets personal for me that was my formative year that took me from like, oh, I like these movies to like, oh, I'm obsessed with this.
0: Yeah, yeah, and an important, an important thing, um, a a very uh, noticeable absence from our our list of releases for for these, um, power of the '90s episodes so far is toys. You know, there's no mm-hmm. toys on our, and and that's gonna be back in a big way in '95. So, oh, oh man, <laughs> that might need to be its own episode of the Power of the '90s, but we'll see. Um, yeah. So. In any case, until then, uh, you can keep up with us uh, at our, our website, our blog, which is um, blockaderunnerpodcast.com. Um, email us and let us know what you think of these uh, mm-hmm. these Power of the 90s episodes. Um, we're uh, blockaderunnerpodcast at gmail.com. Um, still would love uh, some some reviews on iTunes so we could <laughs> yeah, haven't really get, gotten any of those. No, oh no, we need some we need some we need some um, reviews on iTunes. that would be really helpful and uh, and uh, they're not uh, exactly rolling in. so um, if mm. you're listening <laughs> uh, it would be great if you'd run over to to iTunes and leave us um, uh, a positive review um, uh, Twitter we are at blockade run Ryan, you are at brawn dwarf. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah. If,
1: um, if, so, if someone left a review, would we read it on the show? I know some shows do that. Does that I mean, incentivize people or would you not like that? I don't know. I'd, I mean, sure.
0: I'd read them on the show. Yeah, no problem. Okay. Um, but, well,
1: <laughs> you could have an in, internet infamy, I yeah. guess. <laughs> if you left one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, another shout-out, like I've mentioned on Twitter a bunch, and if you're listening to this, you probably listened to our last episode, but um, our last episode about Kelly Marie Tran and Rose Tico um, with our special guest, Laura, is one of my favorite things we've ever recorded. And if if you're listening, please go and listen to that episode because it's really important and really wonderful.
0: Yeah, and Laura was awesome to have on the show. So that was yep. really fun. Um, so definitely check that one out. Um, and, you know, if you subscribe to the Blockhead Runner podcast, either on iTunes or on YouTube, you already got it. Yeah, it's going to pop up that for you. So, yeah. hey, if you haven't heard it yet, what are you doing? You got to subscribe. Yeah, um, for sure. So cool. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks uh, very much, Ryan, for diving into Star Wars 1994. Uh, with me today can't wait to to jump into the rest of the 90s uh, we'll be back soon with more power of the 90s and more blockade runner podcast